Welcome to another episode of the Shift Week Podcast. I'm Edward Assel, sitting here as always with Arthur Black. Bonjour. And today we have a gentleman that actually speaks proper French, so he can correct us in all of our pronunciations. We have Nicolas Palazzi, owner of PN Spirits, uh, based in New York. Uh, importer and distributor as well, because you distribute in New York, yeah? Bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, what, that's, that's, that's what the people say uh, with, with the accent. Uh, <laughs> with the yeah. We, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 import, I import and I distribute stuff, uh, distribute, self-distribute in New York, and then import in a bunch of other markets. Booze. Yeah, I first ran across you numerous years ago with a rum that you bottled. We were talking about a little bit before we uh, got rolling here today, and that was uh, my introduction to you. And man, this is going to be a good episode. And that that was me getting a sample and coming in and yeah. tasting you and Chris on it. Correct. Right? Yeah, we hadn't yeah, met yeah. him. Um, well, before we get ahead of ourselves, I guess. Um, Speaking of drinking, <laughs> what did you have to drink last night, Nico? Uh, what did I drink last night? Yeah. I have Kauila, six years old, uh, a friend of mine in Chicago. I think you just said Calvados. No, no, that's my that's that's my that's that's my accent. Uh, <laughs> apparently, since I landed this morning, people have a hard time understanding <laughs> shit that I say. Um, but no, I said Kauila. Uh, uh, Coila? How, you, how the fuck do you say that? I, don't even I, I, I say Coila. Yeah, that's, that, that's, exactly, that's oh, exactly what I'm talking okay. about. Sorry. No, he's a wine person. You're the only one that doesn't speak English at the table here. <laughs> he's, he's a wine person. It's, it's fine. <laughs> right. uh, we're not going to hold that against him. Um, yeah, I got a, a buddy of mine. A buddy of mine sources casks in, a, in a, um, Illinois. It's a company named BC Merchants, and they have, they have a very cool release called Fat Dram. And it's, it's, not, it's not in any other markets yet than Illinois. I mean, that's, that's just really, it's really banging. Cool. What'd you have to drink, Arthur? I didn't. Really? I know. Wow. I didn't have anything alcohol yesterday. All right, we're we're but, gonna but, we're gonna go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up. This is a short, sweet one. It was a yoga day for you. Ah, uh, just nothing really sounded good. Yeah, just wasn't into it. Uh, I had a dry night, a, a rare one. Yeah. You? Um. Yeah, I had to uh, take my mother-in-law uh, down to Columbus, Indiana, and. Um, as we were kind of hanging around, and they were doing stuff. Uh, my mother-in-law is Thai, doesn't speak English, so it's not a super exciting time to sit and chat since mm-hmm. we don't speak the same language. So there was an Italian joint uh, down, the, down the way called uh, Tre Bicchieri, and I was like, well, hey, they've got to have a good Italian selection. But we went to just a good mid-range dolcetto, didn't spend a whole ton of money on it. You didn't have any rum when you got home? I actually did. Mm, that's what I thought. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, it's hard for me not to. Actually, um, I had the Navazos Palazzi um, when I got home. Oh. Uh, just an ounce because I got pretty deep into the bottle last week, and I don't have all that much of it. So Yeah, so uh, that's the rum that we were talking about uh, when we just started a few minutes ago before we talked about what we drank last night. Um, Navazos Palazzi is one of a number of different um, items that, that Nico brings in, and Nico just brings in, just to set the stage if you're not familiar with PM Spirits, Truly some of the most unique, awesome, just beautifully crafted spirits that are out there, even though that's a word that's extremely butcherized. Like, this shit is the real deal. And it's something I've always loved about Nico, and I've always been impressed by him with his palate and just uh, the product that he, he sources and brings into the States. And we're all lucky for it. He's a crazy person. You're crazy. Nico, just let me say that right now, because you find the most esoteric, hard-to-sell stuff, but we all want it. Because I, you, you've never had anything even remotely close to some of the stuff you bring in. And I'm so happy that you are out there doing it. I mean, you are like, you know, we 
when we talked with Lior Lip Sirkars a couple weeks ago, um, you know, about like we imagine him out hunting spices all over the world to source, which he did, says he doesn't really do. But you actually do that with spirits. I mean, you were recently at what in the middle of nowhere in Austria hunting down schnapps and. I mean, uh, so first, thanks. I guess it's uh, it's it's very 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 kind of you. Um, it's all downhill now. Yeah, I know, I know. And it's, there's a there's a very high level of expectation now that I won't be able to meet. So I'm gonna look like a, I'm gonna sound like a like a, like a dickhead. Um, too late. But uh, <laughs> what? Too late? What? Yeah. You're off to a great start, man. All right, all right, that works. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to source stuff that I, that that I like. I mean, there's no there's no uh, there's no master plan, or there's uh, there, there, the business actually started without any business plan, and 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 um, sadly, there's still not much of a business plan at this point. So it, it's uh, I get I don't know. It's you want if you stand behind something, you need to like it, I guess, because otherwise you're not credible, you know. And you can you can you can try to be as a beat as you can. Like people are not gonna believe you. So that's that's just sort of the sort of the idea and. There, you didn't start off in this industry, right? You were in the sciences. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I, I I was raised by people who um, told me there's there's two kinds of guys out there. There's a, a salesman and engineer. So that's kind of like that's it was like my broad vision of what life was. <laughs> uh, and and then the people who raised me said, well, salespeople they're 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 a little. Um, they're not as good as the engineers, so you should really be an engineer. Um, so that's what I—that's what I became w- without um, thinking about it at all. Uh, and so I worked as a chemical engineer for um, four years in France, and then two years here, which basically means that it took me six years to realize that uh, I fucking hated it. <laughs> um, and and then I had to, uh, I guess, question myself. Um, so that that's kind of the, the the path or the absence thereof, I guess. So then how'd you land on brandy? Just because uh, you're originally from Charente? Um No, so I, I I mean I grew up in a in the countryside in Bordeaux, uh, in in my family. Uh, that sounds like, terrible. It was horrible. <laughs> it was it was horrible. Like we were just uh, uh, you know laying down in our chateaus and like you know eating grapes and <laughs> like venison. <laughs> Watching people and working for us—it was just—it was horrible. <laughs> that's what people do in Bordeaux. <laughs> that's what in France, yeah. Yeah, of that, course. that's all they do. Uh, no, it was. Uh, I grew up. I grew up at a, on, on a small on a small wine estate, so like really nothing, nothing fancy. Uh, like we we were uh, we were in Bordeaux, but we were the uh, the the wrong side of the Gironde River, so you could see the dudes. Uh, uh, in Margot uh, driving Hummer uh, in the uh, in the vineyard and and like we were selling like my, my, my grandparents were selling wine for like like six euros so that wasn't um, but I, I grew up uh, I grew up in the countryside like close to wine I guess and and family friends like one of my one of my grandfather uh, best friend was um, like a cognac maker and um, I, I got into I guess that's how I got into brandy but I you know you you do stuff when you're young and you don't necessarily realize that they are going to impact you later in life so no, I guess that's totally it. True. so so and then you look back and you try to find an explanation and that's the so that's the best I could came up could come up with yeah so uh, Nico's book is it's not isolated to, to brandy cognacs armagnacs things of the sort but it's it's very brandy centric and he has a number of projects and he seems to find a new one every time I talk to him so a lot of exciting things happening 
in his world. We do have a few things to uh, to speak to certain individual products that are um, very representative of what Nico does in terms of being small estate um, grower cognacs and, and brandies, uh, just beautifully crafted esoteric things. Um, but we also wanted to talk. Um, a little bit about just the, the genres of, of, of spirits out there. So could you give us just a brief crash course between, say, cognac and Armagnac or yeah, just, I think just that's brandy a as a group? a good place to start because I get that question a lot. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't even know that brandy is just made from fruit. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's thing that's, that's where, that's where to, to start. So you make brandy by uh, growing fruits and uh Making a, a juice out of those uh, fruits, letting the juice ferment into a wine and distilling that wine. Uh, then you may or may not uh, age that brandy, depending on where you are and what you want to do. Um, but like brandy is made of fruits. Um, so if you think about it, there's, there's something about brandy that, that um, a lot of other spirits, uh, for example, whiskeys, are not going to have, which is... Um, the fact that the raw material is only available um, a few times a year, uh, oftentimes like once a year, depending on the depending on the county. Yeah, obviously. it's more perishable. It's you're so, dealing with fresh fruit. Exactly. So, so there is a so you're dealing with a raw material that has um, an elegance to it, and and uh, that is fragile, and and therefore if it's well handled, then the, the final distillate is will um, uh, translate those those characteristics. Um, so that that that's brandy as a category, and then and then. Depending on um, what kind of fruit is being grown and, and where in the world it's being grown, uh, then you, you, you may call that brandy with a more uh, region-specific um, uh, denomination. So if you say you are in France and you grow grapes uh, in uh, the Cognac region of France, which is about an hour and a half north from Bordeaux, um, and you abide by the cognac making rules then once you've distilled that um, wine that you uh, um, that you made out of the grapes that you've grown uh, and you age that wine for uh, you age the distillate for two years in a cast then you can call that cognac um, if you grow um, grapes in the Armagnac region of France which is about a two hour uh, uh, drive south uh, uh, east of um, Bordeaux um, and you uh, abide by the Armagnac rules, then you may call that uh, Brandy Armagnac. Um, if you are in Normandy and you happen to grow apples over there and you do the exact same stuff, you harvest those apples when they're ripe, crush them, make a juice, make a wine, distill it, uh, age it, and then you may call that Calvados. So it's, it's, uh, um, there are many, many kinds of brandies being made in the world. France is known for... Um, a few um, appellations, uh, appellation-specific brandy, um, though there's like really kick-ass stuff being done all over the world. So yeah, um, you know, brandy, like uh, some other spirits, is uh, as a genre of beverages, um, isn't really isolated to certain geographic um, restrictions until you get into to, to sub-genres of brandy. So brandy is made all over the world from fruit, and there are some some small details um restrictions that are dissimilar between u.s brandies and say european brandies um, but south africa australia spain um, south america is known for various brandies some of them are um, just restricted to being produced from grapes others it opens up to, to various other fruit brandies mm. cognac as uh, nico had mentioned is um definitely like france is 
most famous brandy and makes a lot more product and a lot more bottles of cognac than say um, Armagnac, which for every hundred bottles of cognac, you probably have a bottle sale of, of Armagnac for, for sale and in, in, uh, scope. If you make brandy outside of those appellations, um, and then those are uh, fiends, right? Um, you so you have like Odevie, you have Mar, you have Fiend, different. Right. So 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 you, you you'll find um you'll find um, um brandy made in uh in a lot of regions in France. If those regions don't necessarily have. A, um, a tradition for distilling brandy, then the, the, the distiller there will tend to call that stuff eau de vie. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. um, if, uh, if you are uh, making brandy in, uh, and there's a history of making brandy, then a, a more specific name tends to have been given to that brandy, and that's where you're going to make Mar and Fin. So I, don't, I don't know if that really makes no, sense. No, no, that if, makes if, sense. If, if, you're, if, if you're in Champagne or if you're in Burgundy, you will make, you know, Fin de Marne or uh, Mar de Champagne or uh, Fin de Bourgogne or Mar de Bourgogne. Um, but if you uh, if you are uh, in more remote places with not that kind of tradition of distilling, most likely people are just going to call that stuff eau de vie. Uh, eau de vie. Yeah. And are there restrictions in place as to Fin having to be made with, with grapes or that's opened up to, to different fruits as well? I have no fucking clue. Uh, <laughs> I, I haven't asked myself the question. Like I, I like I. See, that's, it's actually a very good question because well, I've never, I've never asked. Um, like I've, I've always seen Finn and Mark being made from grapes. So I would. I mean, there, there has to be. There has to be some sort of. Legis- I, I, I look it up. I don't. I, I don't have an answer. To that. I think Finn and Mark. Uh, Mars Pomus brandy, so sure. France is equivalent to, to Grappa, which is also regional. And then Fien, as I understood it, was regional with history of producing brandy, but it was also supposed to be grapes. But if you're in remote locations, you probably don't really give a shit about. Yeah, you could, you could, you could, you could, you yeah. could probably make make Fien, Fien and Mark in in. I mean, Fien and Mark like product in in Normandy or anywhere else, like where you grow, sure. you, you, and if you. If you grow plums in uh, in northern France, you, I, I don't know. I don't know if you could call that phenom. I, I don't. There again, there has to be some sort of a um, definition, whether it's at the French level or the European level. I um, never asked myself the question, so I I, I don't want to say stupid shit. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> what brought you to Indiana? Uh, well, you know, I love I love the sun. I like to travel. Uh, going to the Caribbeans was too expensive. Uh, I was gonna say, yeah, I love the sun. I'm like, hey, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it. Yeah, uh, uh, reasons. Our beautiful beaches and uh, yeah, man. Um, cornfields. No, we got a, we got a, you know, pretty kick-ass dinner lineup tonight mm-hmm. that that you set up. So that's uh, with the the. the Find people at a, a vine and table. When you come into town, it's it's a to do. I mean, like all of us that are obsessed with all your like esoteric, very limited availability spirits in your portfolio, we jump on it. Like, is he going to come by our place? Mm-hmm. Is he going to come by our place? Because we really, I mean, you're you're in town for what a day? Yeah. And you, I mean, you're you landed what an hour and a half ago? <laughs> You've already got an event well, booked tonight. I told him this weekend at our warehouse we're having one of our. Uh, I think we were having like a warehouse forklift competition or something, which oh, would be right up his alley. I think we actually kick ass at it every year. Man, I, I, I could see you rocking I, I that out. I thought we can, go. yeah, forklift. Welcome to fucking Indiana, right? I mean, like, yeah. I think the first time I met you, you had just come into town 
and landed in, in the airport, and there was a bunch of. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're talking about. I, I don't want to give away the punchline of the story. But there you, was like. Uh, you got to tell them about the, the guys in costume. The GI Joe. Oh. <laughs> yeah, my first, my, well, my my first two, the first. Yeah, my first time in Indiana, um, I, I got to my hotel, got into the elevator, and, um, and people walked in at the same time. It was kind of late, and, and I had a camo bag with a bunch of samples in them, and like, one dude asked me, uh, we're like, oh, yo, you're here for the, the convention? And I was like, well, I, I, <laughs> so no, awesome. I don't think so. I'm, I, I wasn't aware. So. <laughs> I wasn't aware there was such a thing here. And um, and he was like, oh, okay, okay, because yeah, that's, that's there's a GI Joe convention. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's amazing. Because, you know, being French and not knowing much about anything, I've never really thought that a GI Joe convention would even exist. <laughs> yep, um, And then the next day, next day I went to the that hotel, uh, um, you know, coffee shop, and, and all those dudes were, like, lining up, you know, and, and talking, to, to, talking to each other and pointing... Uh, other dudes, boom! They 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 knew them by their like online name or something. <laughs> it was it, it was incredible. I mean, and that's and I'm like, okay, so this is gonna be fun. We do have some pretty cool like uh, events like that in Indianapolis. Comic Con just wrapped up last weekend. Oh, There's Gen Con, which is huge. Anytime you walk down the street and you see Ewoks and shit, it's like, all right, something's happening. You of all people should definitely not be talking shit, Arthur. I'm like, you got like fucking Viking get up and like battle axes. Well, I don't and shit. see <laughs> anything there. I mean, yeah, you ought to axes. head over to Gen Con with a little cosplay, man. No, like I, yeah, you nah, just cosplay just, at home for Erica. I don't know. <laughs> it was it was funny as hell though. I'm sitting there waiting on him to come down so we could go hit the street and take out some product. He's like, sorry, as a Long line of stormtroopers <laughs> at the uh, the coffee line. I bet you don't get that elsewhere. But you know what do you expect? You walk into an elevator and you got a camouflage-looking bag full of cognac. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm sure that the cognac bottles probably weren't sticking man. around. Like, must oh, you must be, be the uh, the cognac guy that's showing up to the convention. Uh, there is a little language barrier with Nico coming to, to Indy. It's it's fun. Um, <laughs> you say that all the time. I've never had any trouble no, talking with Nico ever. I usually spend all day with him, so I see it. You know, like <laughs> well, the first I, thing yeah, he said when he got that, in the car today, he like ran on a rant giving me shit about uh, the barista at Starbucks at the airport, <laughs> and I didn't know what a you know a dopio was. How'd that go? That that. What well, I I mean I. It, it, it was an interesting. Like I literally landed. So every time I, I come to Indiana, it's pretty much the same thing. Where I, I land and I realize that nobody's gonna understand me for uh, the amount of time I'm gonna, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna spend here. Uh, and now I, ju- I just asked for a doppio, which 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 um, so far has been okay in, in ma- many Starbucks. And 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 the dude there had absolutely no idea what I was what I was saying. So I, I, after my fifth attempt, I was like, all right, double espresso. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. And then, and then he, 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 he started to type that thing on his machine in, 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 on, the, on the register. And, and he, he ended up like talking to himself. And I clearly heard him say, uh, well, your accent is so thick or so strong. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, this is like, you know, that's 15 minutes into my, uh, in, into my indie trip. First interaction. <laughs> that is going to be, yeah, that is going to be exciting. He but I mean, some people do say that I, I, I have somewhat of an accent. I don't know. He was polite. He asked your name. Uh, Start conversation. Yeah. I, I mean, I, mean I, I haven't been able to, to uh, um, get the right name 
on, on, on the damn cup. <laughs> Nobody was, gets that, though. I think it was like... I have a two-letter name, and they fuck up that. <laughs> I, I, I said Nick, and he went with, like, Nathan or Ethan or some shit. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Fuck <laughs> it. Call me Nathan. Yeah, Nathan right. Pulisic. As long as I get my coffee. We had a... Uh, it might have been the first or second year of, of Whiskey Fest, uh, the Vine and Table event up at the Montage in Castleton. And Nico came in for it. And this was an exceptional circumstance because usually, you know, you have a lot of good buyers, you got a lot of trade there. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's not really an event that uh, engenders a lot of traffic from, you know, rednecks or whatever. But we were standing behind the table and this older gentleman uh, who was clearly someone's grandfather or father that was probably a designated driver or some shit. <laughs> Is talking Someone to Nico. dragged their dad in as a something, but driver. He, he was wearing hey, overalls. Dad, you want to go to a tasting? By he, the way, you're driving. He was an older gentleman. He'd obviously, you know, uh, worked with his hands for, for a living, but was just sitting there and sipping on a cognac and listening to, to Nico give his spiel. And after about five minutes, he just looks at Nico. He's like, boy, I don't understand a word Before coming you out of your mouth. <laughs> and it was so like, I could just hear the music from Raising Arizona playing. <laughs> and it was like that scene where he's like, boy, you got a panty on your head. You know, like, everything just kind of stopped, you know. And, and Nico just looks at him. He's like, I don't know what to say to that. You know, I, I got nothing. No other way to communicate. So we have fun here. Um, yeah, always, always. We have uh, sold Nico's uh, products in Indianapolis for uh, probably about six years now, and they are ultra esoteric, ultra boutique, as we've said. Which um, is awesome. You're going to find them at you know local retailers that have uh, a more expansive. How many selection. markets are you in in the states? Twenty. Yeah, technically it'd be twenty, twenty-one. Twenty-one. Something. I mean, obviously some, you know, more name on a piece of paper than actual sales, but uh, sure. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. If you if you're out there and you're not in Indiana, and you're because uh, we've been getting emails nationwide for the last couple of weeks, especially after the mezcal episode. Uh, if you're out there and you can get uh, PM spirits in your market, I mean, hunt it down. It's not going to be at your you know corner liquor store that checks uh, or cashes checks. You're going to have to go to a place that will invest the money because some of these things are very very hard to get and and. Uh, very limited. <laughs> can I get a bottle of Domaine Esperance right. Armagnac and some lottery tickets? And can I cash this? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, so. That, that, that's something that uh, that I'm I'm trying to get um, a lot of uh, a lot of retailers to do with my shit is to uh, to floor stack them, uh, like you know, like like a hundred and twenty dollar uh, half bottle of um, tomato eau de vie. So when you so 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 when a customer you know comes in and goes for a jug of like seven dollar vodka, and see that um, you know expensive halibut of tomato or V, boom, you know, impulse <laughs> impulse buy. An impulse uh, buy. This <laughs> grabs six, six halibuts. I was gonna get a handle of vodka, but this hundred and forty dollar eau de vie sounds amazing. So yeah. it, it hasn't quite uh, uh caught on yet but i'm, I'm trying i'm trying pretty, Although, pretty in hard. all seriousness there um in at benny's in chicago i was recently there and they have like the cordoned off here's the rare highly allocated right. hard to get your hands on room that you have to get an employee to go in because they've got you know appleton 50 year and such in there but i mean i i always go back in there and kind of lust after the appleton 50 but some of the stuff they have on the shelf back there, I don't really think it, it should be. I think it ought to, ought to be out on the floor um, because it's they have far more expensive things out on the floor 
Um, I'm talking about primarily the Benny's in Lincoln Park. That's my favorite one to hit. <clears throat> you know, they've got some pretty esoteric mezcalis and stuff sitting out on the floor, and then they put just like the you know ten thousand dollars stuff back there. But there's also like eighty five dollar bottles back in that little special cordoned off room, and I guess you're maybe it's not doing a, any favors. There's a system in place or something. You're assuming based on price point. Yeah, I talked to a whatever. well. It's not based on price point because I. I I saw far more expensive things out on the floor and cheaper things inside that like kind of cordoned off room. And I asked an employee, I said, well, why is this in here? Cause that's not even hard to get. And it's not that expensive. And I'm like, you have things and you know, whatever aisle 27 that are far more expensive and far harder to find. And it's just sitting out there next to some absolute vodka or whatever, hmm. you know, it's um, I don't know what their system is, but you know, maybe in, in all seriousness, maybe it might do some good to like have that, Weird placement, maybe not next to a handle of you know skull vodka, but uh, well, you work with we work with Benny's, right? Yeah, we do we, we do a little bit of business. Right. I mean, we, we do uh, like I, I work with very good people in uh, in Illinois, and they have a, they have a very good relationship with Benny's. So we we, we, do, we do some business, but it's like since all the shit that I do um, tends to be there tend to be hand sales. Like it's not like there's there's like you know you, you don't find a huge amount of what I do on mm. on every aisle of every uh, right. liquor store like well that's what know. I was going to ask about is because yeah you hit the nail on the head like it's hand selling right I mean these like you keep referring to the tomato de vida that's sitting on the table but like that requires a level of education from you to the retailer and then from the retailer to their potential customer um, so I and I would expect that you spend a lot of time with your retailers and kind of educating as yeah, a mean, large part of your job. With, with, with everybody, to, to be honest with you, like 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 educa- education in spirits is is something that is uh, um, that there's not a ton of it, I guess. Um, a lot of it is uh, a, a lot of this quote unquote education is is, is you know marketing bullshit that are being. Uh, um, spread on uh, as many people as, as as one can. So there's no uh, what what we're trying to. S- we're trying to sell product without selling product. Like we're trying to, we're trying to present a product to somebody, um, try and trying to get that person interested, like genuinely interested in um, who made it, how, why, um, getting to taste the stuff, and hopefully it creates a connection with that person's brain, and and that person goes, oh shit, this is really good, um, and and that is pretty much the only way my stuff are going to sell like it's it's like creating creating enthusiasm for those items and and then um the person who is buying those items for for a restaurant or liquor store is going to communicate that enthusiasm right. to the right. guest or the customer or whatever and and obviously enthusiasm is great but it once you you get into um weird stuff that are very much out of the beaten path and not necessarily super cheap um, you have to have a good amount of um, um, info about that product. Cause well, there's so much bullshit marketing out there. You know, right now everybody's got to tell the fucking story, right? But there's, there's a story, so many there's stories a being made up of you know this is the way it's been done for 400 years, and like you've been well, in business for image, 25. You know. But your people, you know them. Like I mean, you know the producers of of, of everything in your portfolio, and mm-hmm. there's a real human element to everything that you actually distribute and, and sell. And that's what drew me to and, uh, and was just fascinated with PM Spirits from the get-go is that you, you, you hang out with these families, these guys that are doing distillation, and you know from the beginning of the production to the end user or end drinker, as the case may be, 
Um, yeah, they, 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 they're, they're small guys who, who do good stuff. They're passionate about what they do. Um, a lot of them have been doing that for generation, but it doesn't mean it's not because you've been doing that for generation that it's 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 going to be great. You can be you can be making shitty stuff for like six generation. You want, <laughs> but like what what I'm what I'm trying to say is like I want to see that on a label. We mediocre for <laughs> six generations. Love we it. aim we aim to be subpar. <laughs> um, it, it, it's uh, like those those guys really care about what they do and they want to do a good job. Um, so, in uh, my business is it's a small business, obviously, because there's not um, there's not uh, millions of bottles to sell, and, and and not you know millions of places who would be interested or could sell the stuff to the guests or the other customers. So, um, it's it's very much at a human scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm I'm not dealing with any brands. Uh, per se, like I'm, I'm dealing with people who are making product, and those products they have names, because otherwise it'd be hard to even harder to sell them. Um, <laughs> even and, harder, you know, and, that's, and, that's, hard. and that's 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 about it. Yeah, it can be really exhausting trying to like communicate that truth to the trade yeah. and to consumers, because there is such a saturation of smoke and mirrors, mm-hmm. and just you know product that's danced up in a certain package or under a certain image where i mean we've got to hand sell it at our places you yeah know? yeah um, although so, i was telling arthur when we sat down here um yeah you stepped away for a moment but uh i believe it was last night or maybe two nights ago i had my first customer that came in and i was talking i had time to hand sell you know when we're busy it's hard to hand sell um and i said we've got some really beautiful brandies up on the top shelf over there and i'd really like to try one one of my favorites is a, a, a green gauge brandy and he said, oh, you're kidding me. I love Green Gage. I'm like, he was my first customer that ever knew never knew exactly what it was exactly. right off the bat. That to, to come out. Um, <laughs> I was shocked. No, very true. So, you know, point being, even if you're in New York, if you're in Chicago and you're going to a retailer, probably still going to have to ask one of their attendants or people working or consultants or whatever they call them, you know, about PM Spirits and about the, the, the single grower cognacs that they, uh, they represent. So we do have a few different things to try on the table. Uh, we have going to force me. Three or four. We have three? three uh, I think three. Have, I'm sure we can We find have a lot else. of stuff on this table. Um, we have uh, a really remarkable tomato, heirloom tomato um, product done by a producer known as uh, Laurent Cazot. Very school, very small producer, very renowned and regarded. Um, we also have a grower, Armagnac that we're going to, to sample and talk a little bit about. And then something I have not tried just yet, uh, a producer I'm familiar with, Paul Bow, but a, uh, an upper-tier cognac made by this small grower producer coming out of cognac. So uh, you want to go ahead and pour some Yeah, sure. And I'm, I'm uh, going to have photos of all these bottles up on our Instagram feed as well, um, at Shift Drink Podcast on Instagram. So you can kind of see the labels and keep an eye out for them in your market. So... If you're in one of those 21. I need them all named. Can somebody name all? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, where, do, where, do, where do we want to start here, gentlemen? Yeah, let's, let's, let's do the, uh, do, we the probably do the Armagnac first. Armagnac. We'll do the Armagnac Arthur? first, then do the, the cognac and the, uh, and the tomato. Ah, oh, the beautiful sound of dead air. I know, pop. <laughs> oh, this, that's a sexy label right there. So you can find these at a few different restaurants around town. Uh, again, they're ultra small production. We literally bring in like a six pack at a time when we bring it into the state. Um, and uh, there are some restaurants that, that carry some of these black market 
does, as mentioned. Uh, Vita actually has a. I think they have the whole lineup. Oh yeah, they they've got quite a lot. Yeah, we had a we went there for dinner Friday night, and it was just an extremely irrigated evening. It was an awesome dinner. Uh, way too much wine and some brandy. There's at the no end. such thing as that. My liver would say otherwise. Yeah. By the um, way, speaking of uh, drinking, it's totally off the topic, but. Um, this is uh, see we this is Wednesday as always right yeah that makes sense it's always on a Wednesday um, we should be traditionally annually we go to Miami tomorrow oh, yeah. tomorrow tomorrow is when we would fly in for the Miami Rum Renaissance Festival but we're 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 not going this Take year, a year but, off so this year. Uh, we uh, we should consume uh, Armagnac and cognac in, in the place of rum in, in this instead. weekend. Although I do have a tiki event this evening, so I am like straight up tiki out. In fact, this is my uh, Miami rum it's, shirt it's, from it's last year. It's pretty damn tiki, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very it tiki. doesn't get much more tiki than that. I've got nine gallons of Mai Tais to serve at an event tonight, so three ounces at a time. Um, as That's far pretty. as um, retailers around town, there are a few locations for like uh, Big Red and Vine and Table and Crown where you can find some of these products, too. Um Nico, you want to tell us about the Esperance? Um, sure. It's, uh, it's a, a small domain, uh, Domain d'Esperance. It means uh, hope in, uh, in, in French. And uh, it's a husband and wife uh, operation. They, they started to distill in 91. 1992 is their first vintage. Um, they do everything in-house. They grow their own grapes. They make their own wine, distill it, uh, uh, age it, and bottle under their own label. And that's a single cask that we're tasting. So it's a, it's a single cask um, uh, from 2000. It's been aged 13 years, and uh, it's made out of the Folle Blanche grape varietal. So uh, uh, Folle Blanche is that, uh, that's, that's the grape varietal that, that uh, most cognacs were made um, uh, with before uh, phylloxera phylloxera um and so this is uh is, is just it's just every time i'm here what he does is like he's saying exactly what i say <laughs> I, know. I was like, and, like like that was a translation just like you yeah, just repeated he's exactly like, what but he made did. a point it's, it's been fucking six years and he made, he made a point of translating exactly what i say using the exact same word just with a different accent yep. that's fine that's fine i got used to it just uh, translating it into american <laughs> and, uh, and that's why it's uh, always the best when we have friends on the show. <laughs> the uh, and and that that stuff that stuff is so it's foolproof. It's fifty point six percent alcohol, uh, and it has spent all of thirteen years in um, one barrel made out of um, French oak, like local local oak, okay. uh, Gascony wood. And that's that's that's, that's about it. Yeah, it's it's, really it's, nice. it's elegance. It, it has some uh, oomph to it, obviously. Um, it's bottled and filtered, and it's uh, full blanche. Is full blanche. Is, it's pretty. It's pretty hard grape to grow, and um, it's uh, it, it makes for a very elegant um, armagnac. And oftentimes, the um, the wood can overpower uh, the subtlety of the full blanche, so it's hard to age, or you one needs to be really careful. And I think that this is just a, it's, it's a good example of what a full blanche, like a good full blanche single cask can be. So, um, full blanche is a great variety. He'd mentioned it, it was uh, predominant before phylloxera. 
smart ass. <laughs> Phylloxera. I was setting shit up to explain what Phylloxera was when I said Phylloxera. Phylloxera vasotrix, or the, the ravager, was um, a bug that was actually native to, uh, to North America, and it was transplanted in the 19th century and just really decimated the vineyards. It didn't jive well with the grapes and the vines that we associate with, with Europe. Um, Vitis swinifera or Vitis vinifera. And um, post... So you kind of hear it like divides the eras as well, like when that really you get the pre-phylloxera. Right, post, yeah, and right. you'll hear winemakers talk about something's planted on pre-phylloxera vines or on their natural root stocks. And basically, what they're speaking to is that the vast majority of grape vines around the world, because of this little creature, have been transplanted onto American rootstock because American rootstock is actually. Um, it grew a, a tolerance to it since it was a North American bug. So um, in the uh, Charente as well as in, um, in Armagnac, um, you're largely talking about Uni Blanc production. Uni Blanc is one of the more cultivated grape varieties in France. It also goes by the na- alias of Trebbiano in Italy, a very widely produced grape variety that's acidic in nature and relatively neutral. Uh, it's much more common to find Armagnac and Cognac planted to this grape as opposed to finding an Armagnac that's been produced from Faux Blanche. Um, you have a handful of other grapes that you can find in, in Armagnac um, that are even more obscure. But, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's but Nico does nothing the easy way. <laughs> absolutely not. Let's find a small producer. Let's use a rare esoteric grape variety. On and on No and business on. plan still. Business plan. <laughs> fuck it. You know the, the the issue is that like once uh, once you start planning too much and you you start making a ton of money and then you have like you you have a lot of lot of trouble like spending problem. the money yeah <laughs> yeah right so never uh, want to get into that boat like no I'm 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 really scared of that should I buy a Lamborghini I live in New York maybe I don't need that yeah or do I need do I need two like <laughs> right. do they do, do they make it in solid gold uh, like, you know so all those questions and and I'm I'm, I'm just trying to you avoided all of it you've avoided all of it very smart yes. very smart exactly. he had his million dollar idea this morning though like after I picked him up. He was like, yeah, I'm going to make a uh, Chaconac. Chaconac? Chaconac, yeah. We're here. Uh, actually, we, we're here on the cover to, uh, to, uh, <laughs> to, cover. <laughs> to uh, uh, do research on that product. Uh, Chaconac, a magnificent blend of uh, chocolate and cognac. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> Bottled in three little jugs, uh, no, the, naturally the, naturally sweetened. <laughs> um, it would fucking sell. You got to do the bladder bag. Yeah, yeah. You walk away from the oh, jugs. Yeah. You got to do chocolate cognac in a box, uh, man. Alaspina. <laughs> that would be Fuck beautiful. <laughs> I'm sick of it. I don't care. I'm done with this whole craft thing. Just gonna sell chocolate and yak. That's it's awesome. Baby. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, some it's, of my uh, worst nights in Italy have been like just hammered and like I need some wine. The only wine shop you can find is just like the guys that have the uh, whatever, ten liter, fifteen liter bulbs of whatever's coming from the the hills around Rome mm, or Chianti whatnot. Fas- fiascos. Well, you know when when you're in Rome, everything's all from Lazio. Um, you know, well, Alaspina. So yeah, which mm. just means on tap. Like, but it's great. You know, it's like well, I'm already drunk. Am I really going to appreciate you know a hundred euro bottle of wine? Nah, give me. Give me the two euro bottle that you fill up your own plastic bottle and with. And that is exactly where Chocognac is, is <laughs> coming exactly, uh, is yeah. coming into play. Boom. You got you got the it. you got those kick ass uh, those bottle of burgundies and then, then you, you finish over. you finish the night with a bunch of with a bunch of great spirits and then I'll be your sales rep in Rome. If you need me to do it, I'll just I'll I'll take That's, one for the team. Uh, Rome Rome is gonna be our first market. <laughs> 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 because why not you know, at this point we can why not aim uh. to disappoint 
When you first um, started this business, I heard, I don't remember if you told me last time you were here or maybe Arthur, but like you really went in green to the, the liquor business as, as a business. I mean, obviously you said you grew up, you know, kind of around cognac and, and being around fine spirits. But as far as the business is concerned, correct me if I'm wrong, but like the whole three tier system was unbeknownst to you. Yeah, I discovered that. <laughs> <laughs> Which for those of our once. listeners out there that don't understand what the three-tier system is, it's like producer or importer that goes to distribu- distributor that goes to retailer or restaurant, which we're obviously we're still retailing. But And that's one thing for a listener to not know that. But for someone delivering right. into the alcohol starting business. Starting a business, yeah, that's a different yeah, well, story. Okay, so, so, so it, 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 it was kind of stupid, okay. Uh, and, and, and I've been lucky enough that, that so far it worked out despite the, uh, the absence of um, um, plans. Uh, but see that way. Like I grew up in France and France has no such thing as a three-tier system. So in, in France, if a, I can be a, uh, I can be an importer, wholesaler, uh, make bows, have a retail operation. Uh, if I wanna, if I wanna uh, put bottles into uh, uh, into a little box and send that uh, via the French USPS to anyone I want, and I'm gonna do that. Sounds very liberating. Yeah, that and sounds uh, awesome. So you can just literally go out, buy whatever you want from whomever, and sell yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. There's, I mean, obviously there, there there's some rules and stuff like everywhere, but it's it's like it's nowhere as regulated as here. So so once you grow up in an uh, environment where uh, those are the parameters, um, it's it's fairly hard un- unless you ask yourself the question, which I should have had, I should have done that <laughs> before launching the business, obviously. But uh, um, I I just assumed I didn't even think about it. Like like it, it goes back to the question. Uh, about like Finn and Mark, like I've, I've always like I've always seen Finn and Mark being made out of grape. Therefore, I've never literally asked myself, could it be made out of anything else? Maybe right. it can, maybe it can. I don't know. But um, so that was the same thing for the three-tier system. Where I, I when I got started, I um, did not um, know shit about the market, uh, nor have any connection, and I'm not. And that, yeah, my 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 endeavor uh, um, shouldn't have survived, um, and I've just been fairly lucky so far. But uh, yeah, they they like the three the three tree system. I, <laughs> I, I I bought cognac here, and and that's once the stuff was here. That's where I. I learned, I learned that like, <laughs> right. it, wasn't okay, gonna be, it wasn't going to be as straightforward that I <laughs> anticipated it to be. No, a lot of these products that Nico brings in, um, and I, I, I feel this way every time that I, I take them out, it's a renewed like faith in humanity. It's mm-hmm. like, it isn't all marketing. It isn't no, all bad. I 100%. You know, that's the, why we buy it. The I proof mean. speaks in the bottle. And you know, outside of being small production or sixth generation or craft or whatever like you still have to you know you can't have six generations of history of producing crap like nigo said you, it still has to deliver in the bottle in the shit delivers and it's you know you're you're constantly pushing a rock up you know a hill it's it's a fight and but somebody has to do that well somebody has to do some it people are, are appreciative enough people are buying it and you've gotten right. a decent amount of press over the past few years i couldn't be happier for you thank you how uh, long have you been doing this now um, I started the business uh, mid 2011. Okay. So so, uh, so it's been it's been like years six in? years six years six years. I mean the the, the reality is um, come such a long way since the learning the three tier system. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it, it, it you know I'm I'm to this day I'm, I'm self founded. Um, I I I don't have a 
trust found of any kind. So it's uh, Do you have employees at this point. Yeah, it's 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 twelve of us. Uh, twelve of okay. us total. Um, the, all my guys are um, taking care of the New York market where we self distribute. Like I have a distributorship there, where we sell the stuff that that uh, I import, but also a bunch of other like cool stuff. Um, and um, and I just forgot what I was gonna say. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's don't worry, on. we never know on what we're talking about cognac. either. Or the next brandy. Yeah, go for it. Where are we going? Uh, well, we're going to do that guy over there. Okay. But, uh, yeah. All right. Poor Light. That is going to an event this evening. So no more than five ounces in the glass. Right. Only four fingers deep on this. <laughs> it's a... Uh, call that in the, uh, an Indiana pour. <laughs> uh, so you, I, we said you have gotten some... Uh, some good press lately, and you have, but you suffer from the same thing that I do, and that I just don't smile um, in photos, but oftentimes in life. So if you see pictures of Nico, it you know, often kind of looks like a serial killer. He's just got this grim Punisher kind of look on his face. I, you do. See, you, you just, you, you, when you're not smiling, you just look like you're out ready to beat somebody's ass. Because, I mean, you're a Bill guy, you hit the gym, you, but you got the shaved head, and you're like... I want to think I wa- it could be like a mugshot. <laughs> I want to think that I, that I look like a nice person, uh, but I I it, 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 I don't it, think the barista would say so this morning. <laughs> it is not. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard I've heard that before. You'd be the I, French movie villain. Um, <laughs> guy that's about to blow up the parliament. But uh, no, I'm a nice I'm a I'm a nice person. Why uh, <laughs> no, we. Well, I, 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 I swear to God, so. I'm nice. That's fucking delicious, man. Um, so this is the, yeah. That's sorry Pol-Bou. for those of you who can't taste this. This is um, sexy on the nose. Polbo is the name of the uh, the cognac maker, and so that's the, that's their um, that's the oldest cognac uh, in in bottle. So they they sell that as quote unquote their fifty year old. Um, so in in cognac, so this is Grand Champagne juice, which means uh, it's it's made um, uh, with the Uni Blanc grape that has been. Um, grown, vinified, distilled, and aged in uh, the Grand Champagne area of the Cognac region of France. And so, what um, what it means, uh, their uh, quote-unquote 50-year-old, is that uh, this is their oldest Cognac, and uh, what's in the bottle uh, should be around 50-year-old. Uh, now, in Cognac, you never really know, because you, you rarely see vintages. And uh, you mostly have to trust the dudes who are telling you that the stuff you have in your glass is um, however old they say it is. And then uh, trust your um, um, experience tasting, uh, tasting it. So there, there's no uh, age statement on that ball. Um, it is sold as their 50-year-old. It is likely to be very close to five decades uh, old. Um, and and for, for, for several reasons. The, the, the color is is uh, concentrated uh, that color is, is absolutely natural by the way like there's no really? caramel coloring here now, like this is dark when we're I mean um, I've, I've got a photo well actually I have a, a photo of the bottle that uh, we'll put online and it, inside its coffin man um, but yeah, I've never had this before the reach of that nose I mean it's just um, honeyed and savory and hedonistic and dried fruits orange marmalade there's like a chestnut honey there, I, it's one of my favorite honeys, uh, primarily that I get in Italy. But it's just they got that earthiness, and wow, it's really beautiful. Oh, that's, that's this, this, this is some. So they, the color tells you, and being natural, being a natural color, the color tells you that stuff spent a bunch of time in oak. Okay, first, first thing. 
then on the nose, what you have, I mean, you have all those notes that, that you described, um, but to me, there is, there is a, these smells of Rencio, like the Rencio that, yeah. that, that Rencio mm. that is the hallmark of the, uh, of the old brandies, those, the, the fatty acids um, in the, uh, in the, in the spirit that um, got oxidized with time, like Rencio from Rancid, like if you, you, you take, um, you know, um, olive oil and you put it in your uh, kitchen counter for long enough for it to become Rancid. So obviously it doesn't, like here it has very slight notes of that and it's super well integrated and that's, that's the hallmark of the great cognac. Like when, when, when people are looking for brandy and want and are, um, um, have a thirst for uh, those um, rare old um, distillate, they're looking for that for those rancio notes. Like it, it really is like um, there's like a nutty thing going on, like almost like a parmigiano reggiano thing yeah, as well. Yeah, and this is definitely um, it, it, oftentimes it's the it's the sign that on the palate there's uh, the, the the stuff is going to be higher acid, so it, it will clean after itself. And so this has this has all of it. it, it, it it's um, it expresses Rensu on the nose, and the palate is, is deep, dark, concentrated, uh, long, dry, spicy finish. Stuff is not sweet. Um, none of those brandies um, that I work with are sweet because they shouldn't be sweet. Um, if you have a, um, a spirit that is um, made without any kind of additives and that stuff is uh, aged in a moderate climate, like France, that stuff should be dry. Um, if a cognac, an Armagnac, a Calvados, whatever, you, you know, Spanish brandy, if the stuff is sweet, that sweetness doesn't come from the cast. That sweetness comes from, from added sugar, and that's not something that I'm looking for. Um, so that stuff is, is spicy and dry, and, and I, I think it's, like it's a good example of an, an old cognac. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's brilliant. Um, this is brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I could just... Sorry speak. to those of you that don't get to try it. It's one of those, like, where you can just smell something, you don't even have to taste it, and you just peel back flavors and flavors and flavors. It's like an onion, or a parfait, or an ogre. Lots of layers. Or hollow, hollow. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, uh, just to circle back, he had mentioned uh, Grand Champagne coming out of the Charente, where Cognac comes from, the grape is Uni Blanc. Cognac's a pretty big region. It's probably about 250,000 acres. That sound about right? Yep. And it's divided amongst, what, well, probably 6,000 growers, something like that? Yeah, five, five, five to 6,000 growers. Okay. Uh, historically, these growers um, sell their fruit off to the larger houses, and the larger houses will make their cognacs from them. So this, this phenomena of a, of a grower cognac is something a lot of people aren't familiar with, that is individual small producers that own all their land, make everything on site, you know, harvest their grapes, ferment, distill, age uh, it is definitely a new thing that you might see um, in your marketplaces just because the sheer dominance of, of the larger houses and if you want to put something like that in perspective you know look at a region like cognac that's that size you know quarter of a million acres or something to look at another region that people are most familiar with champagne which is about 80 or 90 thousand acres uh, champagne you have a lot more growers there are selling a lot more uh, fruit to half a dozen producers as opposed to 5,000 producers coming from 250,000 acres selling their product to, um, to 
really four or five large houses. So it it just blows my mind when I taste these wines to or these these spirits and, and beverages to to put that in context. Um, and I, I feel fortunate to be able to uh, be able to sit here and shove my nose in this glass. Um, yeah, this, this is, is beautiful. I, uh, I, Paul Bow as I need a bottle. the producer. And what's the uh, the special bottling of it? What's it called? Um, it's called Ligné de Samuel. So Samuel is the uh, ancestor. Is the is the dude who um, started to uh, bottle the cognac under their under the Paul Bow label. Like back in the day, they were. Uh, like m- m- most uh, uh, growers and cognac makers, they were selling to uh, Negocion and bigger houses. And so they, they, they started to buy some of their um, own cognac under their name. And that is a tribute to uh, um, Samuel. So, yeah. How do the- you find stuff like this? I mean, how, I mean, I guess not fine, but how do you get connected with these people to be able to bring this into the United States? Well, there, there's a... Uh, Initially, initially, there's um, a lot of um, talking to the people who are, um, who are uh, passionate about the stuff. Um, there's, uh, you, you, it's about uh, tasting a lot and just hanging out with people. It's a networking thing, really. Like, but you, you know, you, you, at this point, you're networking in a uh, small region with people who oftentimes are retired and they don't have shit to do all day and, and you're hanging out with them and drinking with them and at some point you create a connection and they feel you're a good person and uh, they either are making something themselves or in the conversation they will mention something and then it's it's a um, I mean it's it's not a, de- a detective game because it'd be like too much uh, giving myself too much credit but it, it's <laughs> it's it's a um, yeah, it's, it's, it's more of a networking thing. Like what, once you have a passion and you, and you really go for it, then you talk to the right people and at some point they, they hear about you and then it's yeah. just kind of snowballs from there, I guess. I don't think that that's ever been in question, your passion for bringing high quality um, products not only to the market, but like putting an emphasis and a spotlight on the people that produce it. Um, I, I know recently, I, and I missed out on it, I didn't get to taste your... Uh, uh, Rochelle Schnapps uh, that's now in your portfolio. It, there was what, like an it's ounce so, and a half made it into our market oh to like try God. everybody on. It was like it's so literally weird and I, amazing. Yeah, um, I just I saw all of your Instagram posts, which by the way, you went on, on Instagram. You're what, Captain Cognac? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I love that. I love that. Um, it reminds me of like Captain Crunch. Because <laughs> like, no, he spells it the same way. It's C A P N, so it's like it's Captain Cognac. Well, a few like the but yeah, like, the well, bottles. I mean, got that, it from. I mean, they're like the bottles alone have got to be worth a fortune. I um, mean, all the all the things, all the things they're handmade by people who care. And and at this point, for the Rochelle stuff, like that's it's literally. I'm not. I'm not fucking around when I say that's that's the Rolls Royce of, of Schnapps of uh, Austrian uh, Eau de Vie, like. And when we talk about schnapps here, we're not talking about this, uh, like, your, right. your well, so whatever, raspberry schnapps. Yeah, right, <laughs> no, no, no. exactly. Like, you're talking about guys in Austria who have, uh, they've sourced, the, they found the best growers for specific fruits, whether the, those growers are in Austria or uh, in Italy because they are operating in the Tyrol. 
which is borderline with uh, with uh, uh, between uh, it's in Austria but borderline with with uh, uh, Italy, and so they they source those fruits from uh, the top top fruit growers out there. They pay six seven times market price for the fruits. If the fruits are not um, uh, to their specific standard, they're just not going to distill that fruit for however many years the the fruit is not going to be up to their standards. Um, they distill tiny tiny steel. Like if you're looking at you know, most cognac steels are going to be 30 hectoliters, uh, 3,000 liters. Uh, here, those guys, they're using uh, 170 liter steel, oh, so wow. like sm small steels. Uh, they're distilling those fruits, whether those are quinces or, or um, apricot or uh, apple. They're putting the distillate foolproof into glass balloons, 54 liters glass balloons, and letting the stuff sit there, rest for at least a decade so and and the balloon the balloon is there like in 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 the attic uh with a uh, with like a piece of cloth on top of it it's it's it, it's breathing the piece of cloth is just there so there's no shit falls into the in into the um in into the uh the the, the balloon and and over time that eau de vie is, is going to develop the the most complexity one will taste when it comes to fruit eau de vie, like it, it, I, I, in my mind, when I tasted the stuff in, a, a, like last summer, I saw what you what you get in a, in a, in, a, in a wine, like in a great Bordeaux Burgundy, like you know, you're tasting the stuff when it's freshly released, and you can feel it's going to be a great wine. There's all the stuff in there, but it's not there yet. Like it, you got all those elements, but they're not integrated yet. Take the ball 15 years later, and all of a sudden you get like primary, secondary, tertiary aromas, complexity, length on the palate, like all that shit that, that you know, people go nuts for. Well, these guys, they do exactly that, but with fruit eau de vie. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's the, the ball looks beautiful because they're, they're taking so much time to release their product that, you know, why would they put that in like a plastic jug? Sure. Um, and, and that stuff costs a lot of money? Sure. I mean, it does, yeah, because it's been rested for 13 years, so, you know. you got to get your mind around, you know, this this product. And it just, before I kind of ask the big question about what the hell's with the damn balloons, um, <laughs> I mean, the, the yields, of like, their extraction rate for pressed fruit is, it's like 200 pounds for a liter of product, right? Yeah, I mean, there, there's uh, some, some of their, uh, you know, they're, they're, they have a wild raspberry Eau de vie. Uh, they go in the forest. They handpick tiny, like wild raspberries. All they're hand harvested. Yeah. Well, but yeah, it's I mean because it, it, it has to wild, be right? right. It's just it's like wild, you, gotta, yeah. you bend over and like find the damn thing and then like <laughs> pick it, not crush it with your finger. Bring it back to the distillery. Uh, they do 80 kilos per liter. They need 80 kilos of. I mean that. Go pick 80 kilos. First, go find, <laughs> yeah, right. go find raspberries in the wood, okay? Then find enough to pick 80 kilos. That's going to, like, you, like every, everything in your body is going to hurt after that day of picking those and 80 kilos. And that's for one bottle. And, and, that, and that does, and that does uh, it, it's one, it's, it, it makes a liter of booze. And then that, that liter of booze is going to stay in one of the damn balloons for 13 years. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. The stuff is expensive. Sure, it should be. I mean, that it, it's really unlike anything I've ever tried. Uh, and it it I opens missed, up and volatilizes um, more so than anything that I like. I usually never. I'm never that dude who walks into a restaurant or bar. I didn't say account. And, uh, <laughs> no, you've been very good the last no, ten episodes, no. probably. But you know, you have some people that are pouring wine. They're like, oh, you got to use this glass or that glass, or oh. 
you got to let it breathe this long or whatever. And I maybe cared more when I was younger, but now I'm just, you know, drink it. I trust you. Now palate. he just expects to go into a dive bar and see grower champagne and yeah, the, yeah, on the yeah. list. That's realistic. But I, <laughs> with, with these products, and I received ultra small samples of these, and we were only able to bring in what was left that Nico had, which is basically a few bottles of a few different ones. And... I would taste it with people, and I would notice that over time, it would just continue to volatilize and volatilize at a, at a much more extreme rate than other beverages. So I actually started telling people, I was like, don't do it. You know, I'll pour some in your glass, but coat the glass. Let's talk about something else, and we'll come back because it's not going to do justice. And I have to think there's maybe some kind of correlation between its tendency to volatilize um, via introduction to oxygen out of the bottle and what the hell... Why do you age something in a fucking crystal balloon for eight to 13 years? Yeah, like, I was How did you it, right. figure out, like, yeah. this will make it better? I mean, you know, it, it, is there some kind of cosmic connection between the crystal balloons and <laughs> no, I guess, I the universe? The, I think they're just pushing yeah, boundaries. The universe like is aging it. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's essentially the reason. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's that and the fact that the... The, so the, the the glass balloon is an inert container. So the the stuff is 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 I would say resting more than aging. Um, and then if you if you think about it, like when, when we taste um, you know like white lightning, uh, the stuff is like freshly distilled, put into a jug, and sold for like fifty dollar uh, in a retail store. Um, that stuff more often than not is is very raw. And, and, and it just smells and tastes of new make. If you were to um, take that stuff and rest it, let it breathe, so whatever compounds that needs to evaporate does um, a little after it's been distilled, then it, it becomes a lot softer and uh, a lot less um, harsh. And, and for example, when you look at um, the Armagnac region, the Armagnac region has a blanche d'Armagnac, an unaged Armagnac. Right. And uh, by law, that unaged Armagnac needs to be rested in a stainless steel tank for six months. It's not just for the fun of it. It's because the Armagnac, the, 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 the National Armagnac Bureau, uh, didn't want white Armagnac to uh, give a, um, um, to, to be raw and, and, and um, make people think that the rest of Armagnac is going to taste like that. So they had, they have the distiller uh, arrest the stuff so those new minky aromas blow off. Okay. And so if you're pushing that reasoning, uh, you'll see Odevi, like an Odevi in a bar is going to evolve. Like uh, I've tasted stuff from Laurent Cazotte, which is the, that's the tomato stuff we're gonna we're gonna taste soon. Like I've tasted some of his Odevi, some, his, some of his tasted it. <laughs> pear Odevi, or some of his plum Odevi, thing that he bottled in in 2008, and we popped the cork, and it's a complete different product, so much more integrated. So like than 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 the current release stuff. The current release stuff. If we're tasting it right now, we're gonna be like, oh shit, this is really good. Taste an 08, and you'll be like, oh wow. Stuff, stuff evolves in a bar. There's chemical reaction occurs with time. There's some evaporation. There's, there's like all those things that You still that have happen. some 302 in there that can... Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's, there's um, physical and chemical things that occur that just uh, um, make the product more uh, harmonious. And so if you push that to the extreme and you say, okay, fuck it, 
we are going to wait as long as it takes for this apricot OV to uh, be at its full potential. It's 12 years. Well, we're going to wait 12 years. And they're not treating it with any type of preservatives or antibacterial or... No, it's, I mean, you, you're, talking, you're talking 60 percent alcohol booze. It's like 120 proof booze, uh, uh, clear booze in, in, uh, in, a, uh, in a glass balloon. So nothing is going to happen to it. Um, I want to get into this, this tomato eau de vie because it's been sitting in front of me for a few minutes here. Synapses are just firing. This is, man, this is... Uh, I've never had anything quite like this. Uh, so we, we've talked about in passing this tomato heirloom thing we got in front of us. Um, a tomato brandy, actually, from a producer of Laurent Cazot. Uh, heirloom tomatoes in there? What's that? No, no, no. no. I'm just looking at the, oh. looking at the label. It's labeled, what, 720? It's seven, 72, 72, 72 tomatoes. It's, it's, uh, so this is, uh, this is my, uh, one of my most uh, main market product. Um, that's the stuff that we hope that I hope we're going to move a lot of volumes off. Uh, it's a halbal, 18% alcohol of um, tomato liqueur. I mean, at least in France, it's a tomato liqueur here for um, uh, different uh, uh, reasons. It became a, a tomato brandy, but um yeah they, they, this is this product is to um satisfy the need of um this long um those long lines of people waiting at bars and liquor stores to be sold tomato uh liqueur <laughs> And uh, and we heard uh, we heard the voice exactly, and we, we said, okay, it. somebody has to do it uh, <laughs> because there's a uh, there's a market. Um, We're losing sales here. There's 50 guys. The I've already turned 50 people away today and say, I'm sorry, we don't have we don't yeah a- a- any tomato liqueur. So uh, this guy is uh, well, is outside of Toulouse. Uh, he is. Uh, it's a 45 minute to an hour drive. Uh, from uh, from Toulouse, in is, is in southwest France, a uh, small village called uh, Villeneuve-sur-Vert, uh, and um, he is uh, the is French um, um, natural distiller. Like there there, there are uh, there is a very strong natural wine movement in France, and there is very few guys who are uh, distilling uh, in a natural manner. Uh, and he is the guy who started it. So he um, he started. Uh, he took over from his dad at the beginning of the 90s. His name is Laurent Cazotte, C-A-Z-O-T-T-E-S. And um, his dad was a traveling distiller. And in mid 90s, Laurent said, "Okay, I'm gonna we're gonna stop distilling for others. We're gonna distill for ourselves. I'm gonna grow all my fruits. Uh, all my fruits are gonna be indigenous from uh, my area." All my fruits are going to be grown organically, and I'm only going to use the flesh of my fruits to um, uh, make booze and later on liqueurs. So this is—it's uh, called 72 tomatoes because he is collecting tomatoes, and at this point he has, at the point of that uh, stu- uh, the release of that stuff, he had 72 different varietals of uh, heirloom tomatoes: um, yellow, green, red. He has even a, a blue tomato, and so he uh, each year he has to replant those seeds, grow the tomato, uh, and then uh, makes this uh, liqueur um, out of it. This is, uh, it, it's, um, it is weird. Um, Man, you know, I don't know if I find it all that weird. It sounded weird yeah. initially, but 
It's weird. You know, growing up in Indiana, way. and like, well, this maybe it's just a personal connection for me to childhood. My dad is obsessed with tomatoes. Every year he grows about 40 different varieties, um, and he supplies our, some of our restaurants with some of our uh, tomatoes every year. Umami. He, he, this, my father, God love him, he will drink the sugariest, like, we'll put wine in quotes here, you know, like blackberry or raspberry apple wine or whatever. But I've never been able to get him to draw the connection between, like, you know, really intellectually thinking about uh, wine in the same way that he does tomatoes. But he can talk for days and hours about the acidity levels and, like, the sweetness <laughs> and the environment. And for me, this tastes like tomatoes straight out of my, my father's garden, but with uh, booze in it. But yeah, I mean, it's, in, it's, in the most pleasant way possible. Like, I mean, it feels heirloom. It smells and tastes like tomato water, but yes. on steroids. Yeah. I mean, uh, this, I, this tastes like tomato water that I've had in courses at Michelin star restaurants. I mean, and, it's... And, I, that's, and that's, exactly, uh, that's exactly what those things are made for. Like Laurent, Laurent Cazot in France, he, he sells to 30, 40 two and three star Michelin restaurants. Like if you go to the, the finest table over there, um, you, you will find his products. And he started his um, uh, liqueur business uh, because some like super well-known chefs asked him to make something for the restaurant. You know, saying, "Okay, I got I got this dish. That's my signature dish. Like, can you make something to pair with it?" And so he developed uh, liqueurs that are um, uh, food-friendly, made to be paired. And, and so this is uh, um, I, I can I understand that on the radio, like talking about. Um, um, tomato liqueur. It sounds. It sounds a little awkward, um, but this thing with any sort of Mediterranean appetizer, uh, anchovies, tapenade, uh. um, even like rillettes, like anything that you would, uh, anything that you would um, eat in southern France um, to start the meal or like during during aperitif, uh, that pairs uh, beautifully with it. Well, I think the the note that really stands out to me hardcore on this, which I don't think I've, it maybe my brain's just not firing quite this early, but it there's the umami that I you just don't get it out of alcohol, and I it, I keep wanting to go back to it. Just that that mouthfeel, it feels unctuous. Uh, that's that's delicious. I I need a bottle of that too. And the, uh, like <laughs> I the, keep the, my father away from it because. That would be the the conversion right there from going to like the raspberry apple wine into like fine spirits. That would be the one that would do it. And I don't need to get him obsessed with stuff that costs that much. The the uh, like he's got to fight off the other seventy five people standing outside waiting exactly, for these bottles. Exactly. One one uh, one needs to uh, one needs to uh, earn. Get on the mailing list. Um, but the uh, no that that that's the I mean. That stuff's cool in the sense that it does smell and taste of tomato. It has a very nice salinity to it. There is a choky minerality as well. Like those are tomatoes that grow on a uh, um, choky subsoil, and and like it's it's an elegant product. It's not necessarily something that I would sip neat, you know, going back home on a Tuesday night after a shitty day. <laughs> but but it's a uh, this is a, this is a very cool tool for for pairing. So that's oh, a, absolutely! I could imagine an, any number of meals that this would it's really it's highlight. It's a very hedonistic item experience. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, we're 
got uh, quite a lot to do tonight. Uh, you guys have an event this evening? Yeah, yeah, we have a, an event at 114. Um, it's sort of a speakeasy concept uh, by Napoli's. Doing brandies, go figure. Very cool. No, I mean, yeah. Cap- you got Captain Cognac with you. Captain Cognac. Yeah, I got my, I got my costume, uh, my costume in the car. Uh, I would, that would be amazing, man. Just get like a Captain Crunch hat and on, and your sailor outfit. And- well, it's a, it's a, it's a leather outfit, and it's, uh, it's sparkly. Uh, you know, that's. Uh, what you wear when you're in private rooms with Arthur? <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Um, how can anyone follow you uh, online or social media? Uh, yeah, I guess I guess uh, um, a friend of mine came up uh, years ago during a very uh, um, uh, well um, during a dinner where we drank way too much uh, with the uh, the name Captain Cognac. So that'd be C A P T N C O G N A C. Captain Cognac um, on Twitter, Instagram, and whatever else is out there. Uh, and we'll and link yeah. to his social media accounts on uh, shiftdrinkpodcast.com as well so that you can you can find Nico and uh, check out some of the cool things that he's doing there. Do um, What do you do for hangovers? Uh, <laughs> what I do for hangovers? Uh, We're accumulating a list. Hey, I, I, grapefruit juice, a lot of water, uh, uh, and I try to uh, exercise. Like I, I knew I, you were gonna say that, man. I it, it's it's I despise it, but uh, like getting more liquid into my body and trying to get my body to literally sweat it out or like transform whatever is in there that my my organs want to get rid of. Uh, via South African uh, Pinotage, uh, yeah, <laughs> via um, you know working out or whatever. Like it, it's that's what I that's what I try to do. I think um, you're about the third person that has said that, and I, I agree. It's a, it's a fantastic hangover cure. It's just a fucking miserable way to get rid of a hangover. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> it's, and I, I, you know, the, it's actually one of the things that prevents me from drinking too much, because I, I, <laughs> I think about. Um, those kind of workouts, and I despise them so much that I managed to uh, limit the quantity of the shit I drink. I'll take another glass. Hold on, no, like, I, no, I, I I'm not go gonna. To the gym tomorrow. I am not running tomorrow. This is this is not <laughs> happening. Oh, running, fantastic. Well, uh, we'll chalk it up to one more person that uh, that that advocates for exercise. But Nico, thank you so much for uh, for dropping by the show. Uh, I know we've been waiting well pretty much since we started the show. Uh, well, we're coming up on close to a year, um, pretty close, and uh, we've been waiting to put you on uh, since then. So I'm glad that you've been. It's uh, it's an honor. Um, thanks a lot for having me, guys. And, um, yeah, uh, and I, I think hopefully you know those of you out there like you're gonna hunt down some PM spirits. Now, does PM spirits have a separate social media account? Uh, yeah, at PM spirits. Okay, uh, just PM spirits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, definitely track it down and ask for it. Uh, you know, if it if it's in your market, it, I'm sure that you'll find somebody out there that would be more than happy to uh, order it for you. Um, is there any particular like online presence, like any of the online retailers that carry anything, K and L or anything like that? Um, yeah, at store, at store wine in, uh, in New York, wine, okay. has a bunch of our stuff. Uh, 
um, beanies and cane nails. I mean, there's many, many, many others, but those, those are the main ones, obviously. So yeah, cool. I mean, take a look at the bottle picks on the website, and yep. you know, do yourself a favor and find some of these products. You will not be underwhelmed. They they really are amazing products. What's the uh, your website address for the company? PMSpirits.com. PMSpirits.com. Fantastic. Uh, all right, guys. Well, uh, as we wrap up, you can reach us. Uh, at shiftdrinkpodcast.com all of our episodes are there uh, we're on iTunes Google all that stuff um, Instagram at shiftdrinkpodcast as well um, but yeah please review us on iTunes um, that helps us to keep bringing in super cool guests like Nico um, you know the more the more work we do uh, the more fun that it gets so we've got some great guests coming up in the in the in the subsequent months and like I said we're coming up on a year here this summer so happy birthday our, our, our little project turned into something much larger than we ever had anticipated so Nico again thank you so much um, I hope to talk to you back on the show again next time you come through town thanks for following me guys thanks. au revoir oh, au revoir <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oui oui oui